0: We're joined with peter o'donnell peter we've been here before welcome uh thanks for joining us we're going to talk about the ev Pembroke study the cohort k ev Pembroke versus Pembroke, the randomized phase two so you're the last author on the uh on the peter work congratulations i think briefly about the study and um and what it showed
1: sure thanks so much tom uh you know exciting study in that you know, we've been trying to explore additional combinations for you know, that uh, that real unmet need in the frontline setting the, are the patients that are ineligible for cisplatin uh, and, you know, need uh, additional therapies really to get disease under control. We know how fast some of these patients can progress. And so the idea of this trial was to expand on previous data sets that have looked at the combination of infortimab vedotin plus PEMBRO, EV plus PEMBRO, in the cisplatin ineligible frontline space. Uh, we've previously had a, a cohort that looked at about 45 patients in this setting, and now this cohort K looked at the uh, uh, in a randomized way uh, an expanded population of about 150 patients, half of whom received ev Pembro and half who received ev alone. And uh, you know the pop, the population um, is what we'd expect from you know a frontline population. These are patients with renal insufficiency, patients
0: with uh, you know eCog 2 in some cases. Uh, that made them ineligible for cisplatin. Peter, let's talk more about the patients for a second. This is a challenging population because they've got comorbidities, they're not eligible for cisplatin, historical controls. What, what do we expect from this? Um, it's fair to say we're expecting response rates between 40 and 50 percent. Um, we're expecting PFS between six and eight months and probably OS around 12. Is that fair?
1: Yeah, I mean, even those response rates might even be a little optimistic in my view. I mean, I'm always optimistic. Carbopla- Peter. I'm <laughs> always optimistic. <laughs> Carboplatin-based therapy
0: here, you know, maybe maybe forty percent.
1: You know, in some data sets, it's really more mid thirty
0: percent. Do you want to talk a bit about what you showed with the uh, with the monotherapy and the combination?
1: Yeah, I think uh, the combination obviously uh, is you know where many of us think the future may be heading, um, and the combination, Evie Pembroke showed. Uh, you know, about a 65% response rate. Uh, so really encouraging uh, median duration of response not yet reached for, for that group. Um, and, you know, the, the EV monotherapy uh, group alone, it performed, I would say, similar to EV alone in, you know, refractory settings. It was about a 45% response rate for
0: EV alone. Peter, can I ask direct sure. question there? Do you think the 45% is a bit lower than you expected? Because we had, I think, 54% post IO therapy. So many people were saying, well, if it's 54 second line, we'd expect 60 front line, and we're not, we're at 45. Um, and 45, you know, I think it is more, it is probably more than Gem Carbo, but uh, it's probably in the similar ballpark to Gem Sys, I would guess. Um, what's your take on that statement?
1: Yeah, I agree with you, um, you know, cause we had come to expect with EV, right, in the third line setting, it was given us 44, second line setting, right, it moved up above 50 percent you know i guess we all hope that in the frontline setting ev alone might even do better than that but it sort of plateaued um at, you know at about that 50 percent mark but as you pointed out you know this this percent response right that we're seeing with ev alone is what gem gives you two drugs give you in the front line setting. So,
2: so peter just building on that question if i could jump in do you think obviously the combo is the exciting part of this that's where the i know there's randomized trials ongoing do you think there'll be a role for EV alone, maybe in IO ineligible patients or otherwise, or, or, or further studies looking at EV alone, or is it really in combo?
1: I do. Um, you know, I think that's a great point, Brian, you know, cause there's going to be that percentage of patients that have, you know, prior autoimmune disease where you don't feel comfortable giving PEMBRO. And, you know, you know, that EV is probably our best single agent for this disease. And so I do think there will be a population of patients where we might do that
0: alone i think we my personal opinion is we're probably going to stick with gemcitabine and gemcarbo in those in those patients until we've got more compelling data um brian so i'm not Yeah, maybe totally, not now i'm just of thinking in the future as they're all yeah, um, yeah. Exactly. peter i've got a question i'd like to ask about the primary progression rate. So the primary progression rate for ev alone is quite low about 10 percent and the same uh, for the combination and primary progression was one of those factors that's been turned out to be really important I think it's more important than response. It's that group of patients that we know with bladder cancer that just seem to grow through everything with chemotherapy. And what do you make about the progression, primary progression rate being similar in both arms?
1: agree. I think it speaks to the fact that you know, EV probably is our most um, effective single agent for this disease. And I think that's what that's telling us. And uh, you know, it, I think echoes, echoes what we see in you know, the waterfall plot for, for the drug.
2: Um, and how about, you want to speak a little bit to tolerability? Jonathan talked about in his presentation. Just I before we get
0: there, Brian, can I have one more efficacy question? Sure. So, the question, the big question, and what I want you to let me know is what, whether or not or why you think that the combination is clearly outperforming the monotherapy.
1: Well, don't you think that there's, uh, you know, a portion of patients that are going to be responders to immunotherapy, those, those amazing responders to immunotherapy? None of us can identify who those people are in advance. But I think those are the additional patients we're capturing here, you know, by, by that increased response rate in the combination arm. Or maybe yes. there's some synergy between the agents. I think that remains to be proven. Um, but I think what we're, you know, my view is that really the advantage of the combination is then you gain that durability. Right. We know a lot of patients have to stop EV because of tolerability, which maybe we'll talk about. Um, and I think what that allows then is that Pembroke gives you essentially a maintenance, which, you know, we know maintenance is now a thing. And I, I view this combination as kind of recapitulating that idea.
2: So, Peter, if, if the chemo-I for Tom, if the big chemo-I trials frontline have largely failed and, and that's what this is, why, why would this be different?
1: Well, I mean, we, from... don't see, we don't see the cytopenias with EV like we do with platinum gemcitabine therapy, right? And so, you know, if gemcitabine platinum is depleting lymphocytes in some way, you could, you could hypothesize that that's why it's negating the immunotherapy effect, but that doesn't happen with EV because we don't see the same
0: myelosuppression. One of the things that I was impressed with, Peter, was the PFS at 12 months, I know it's immature, but it's 20% higher for the combination of EV Pembro that's a big difference in 50% or 55% progression-free at 12 months. My feeling is that, you know, the overall survival of Gem Carbo is what is about 12 months. So in Maria's DeSantis trial, it was only eight months. I think we're doing better than that now, I hope. Uh, so between eight and 12 months, if the PFS is 12 months uh, for EV Pembro, and it's sort of 20% higher than single-agent EV, and of course, it's much. I think, if those numbers are right and... Those were the same numbers we saw in the EB one oh three cohort with the previous forty-three patients. I mean, that's the that strikes me that we're getting that issue that you mentioned of not just disease control, but we seem to be maintaining that control. Do you agree with that? Couldn't agree more.
1: Right? We all want durability from our frontline therapy.
0: That's we cool. don't agree very often, do we? I people? know, you usually <laughs> well, debate on this podcast. We'll have to <laughs> find <laughs> something else to talk about. Maybe because you're in <laughs> maybe, we can, maybe we can maybe we could disagree on toxicity.
2: <laughs> so so talk about toxicity, Peter. I mean, um, Jonathan highlighted some of it and some of the overlapping toxicities. It seems you know, maybe not as tough as platinum-based chemo, but not without toxicity, of course.
1: In, I mean, in my own hand, I put, I put a number of patients on this trial. You know, the combination here still is somewhere in between the two extremes that we have, right? One extreme is platinum-based therapy. The other extreme is immunotherapy by itself. You know, I tell patients all the time that you know, using EV and even EV with Pembrolizumab is going to be somewhere in the middle uh, from a tolerability and or an experience standpoint for that patient. And I think really, you know, what, what the randomization helped us see is, you know, how much additional toxicity is pembro adding when it's added in with pembro. And I think it really just comes down to it's about, you know, you're getting about 15% more grade 3 skin reactions. But those didn't seem to be these, you know, serious skin reactions um,
0: that, you know, got a lot of the attention. Peter, let's talk about those serious skin reactions because it is one in five patients getting grade three or more skin toxicity. There's some of the data out of Europe suggesting that skin reaction can be very serious. That skin reaction seems to be occurring in the first two cycles. We did a podcast with Jonathan Rosenberg around skin toxicity with, with Evie. Uh, the, the, the issue, I guess, is that is it, it does appear to be a bit higher, but you say it's not that sort of that Steven Johnson, that, that serious skin rash. What was your experience of the skin rash that you've seen with the combination? Because there are five different skin rashes which have been described with the combination with, with EV.
1: Yeah, great. It's a good point, and it's an important distinction. You know, Stevens-Johnson and those types of events are in their own bucket. These grade three events that we're seeing here are patients that have you know a lot of their skin covered by you know a rash. Grade three can happen because of the amount of skin involvement, and then also patients that have you know blistering. I think those are the two common that we'll see with the combination. And the good news is, in my experience, they tend to respond very nicely to, to treatment holds. So you, you hold the drugs, and these patients' um, skin gets, gets better quickly, you know, of course, with additional supportive care, like, like steroids.
0: Is the neuro, You go, it. I was going to
2: say, are there patients, aside from those with pre-existing neuropathy or, or who can't get I.O., that you wouldn't give this combo to any other patient groups that, off the top of your head, you, you would avoid?
1: Well, besides the uh, patients with autoimmune diseases like we talked about before, you know, I I really don't see additional patients that I wouldn't give this to. You know, a lot of people talk about the hyperglycemia, which I think is an important toxicity, right? It's low rate, but important toxicity, especially for docs who might be using this the first time. you got to be on top of that. Um, you got to look for it in the first cycle. Um, But, you know, I hear a lot of people say, well, I wouldn't give this to a diabetic. I kind of feel a, a different way about that. Diabetics are really good at monitoring their blood sugars. Very. I couldn't frequently. agree with yeah.
0: so, <laughs> you more. Know, this is a very frustrating podcast. This is right. why I totally agree <laughs> with you again, Peter. <laughs> I we why you know they're exactly the right people. You know, and this sounds awful, but they're the people who know about diabetes. They are yeah. monitoring their blood sugars every day. Right?
2: It's the the people undiagnosed with prediabetes or whatever the uh, trouble.
0: And Peter, are you giving cisplatin or carboplatin to those peripheral neuropathy patients? I guess that's an important question because. That but and I guess there are not that many patients with a neuropathy because in EV in in platinum refractory disease there's a neuropathy, but how many patients have a peripheral neuropathy in, in platinum in the platinum eligible population? I guess I guess yeah, it's, it's not, much rarer.
1: Not that my, not that many in my experience. I agree with you.
0: Um, I have I have one one question that I hope will
2: make you guys argue with each other. So <laughs> the three hundred two study, which is obviously the big phase three looking at this combination frontline, I'm going to ask you each to sort of handicap it you know, what, what do you think we're going to see? Obviously, that's potentially a landmark study. We've talked about the benefits of this combo and how EV may be the best single agent chemo, but failure of other IO chemo combos. So, Right. Before
0: uh, we get there, can I ask you a different question, Peter? Is this currently before, because for EV302 might not be relevant to you because you may have made your mind up already. It, have, is, is, this your, is this practice changing for you if it was FDA approved? And would you still be giving, and which patients would you still be giving platinum-based chemotherapy to? Okay, well now we're getting to the, the good questions
1: here. So, so <laughs> we usually never yeah. get to them. So, yes, it's yeah, never happened before. <laughs> yeah, so this is practice changing in my view. Um, you know, I favor this combination. I mean, it, I think it's hard to argue with the response rate of EV Pembro compared to Dim Carbo. Um, and so, and the durability, I, I actually would think would stack up very well. And so, if we're going to, you know, know that a lot of our patients never make it to second line therapy in metastatic urothelial cancer, then I'm going to use my best combination front line. And, and this data to me is enough to convince me of that. All, you know, also my experience with it. These patients, um, the, the rapidity of response responses, I think, is also a point we should make. Right. These patients are often feeling better. Right. Disease related pain is getting better after one or two doses of yeah. Um And so that to me is an important facet for these patients. that Pete, can drop off the cliff.
0: Peter, Jolison today said that you the PFS and OS signal are too immature to draw conclusions from and with the primary progression rate of two arms that are very similar to each other are you sure in your, that that's enough for you to change practice or do you feel that's a little hasty?
1: No it's, a, it's enough to change practice because in my mind we're already convinced that, that we need maintenance immunotherapy for this disease so aren't we just doing that with this combination as well right. with EV Fembro you're essentially giving yourself a maintenance
0: as well uh, Laurence and her discussion was also, I think, quite um, moderate in, in whether or not this was... Uh, I, mean, I think that one of what she said, I think she... I, might, I felt that she, that she felt there was distinction between the two arms and the combination was the right arm to take forward. I don't think she... You know, I think she'd said there wasn't a need to put the third arm in the randomized phase three. But I didn't hear in the discussion today that people were as um, confident that this is practice changing um, completely at this point do you want to just come and, um, and and come back to me with that because you feel strongly about it
1: well i mean we're we're seeing um, you know activity for a, for a single drug let's put it that way that we don't normally see for Demcarbo. so you know i but want you to you could take
0: wait us back a year to, for pfs
1: and correct and so i want to take us back to the unmet need right i mean this trial is looking at cisplatin ineligible patients i think it's hard to argue that we're happy with the current standard you know in cisplatin ineligible patients
0: We've been hasty before with a Tezo and Pembro. And I think, well, I know you don't agree with me. I think that was a, mis- <laughs> I think that was a mistake. Uh, and w- are we being hasty a second time or is this completely different from a Tezo and completely different from Pembro?
1: It's a fair question to ask. I mean, I don't want to sound you know, like, you know, we shouldn't need randomized phase three data. We do, uh, but you know, why, why, do we, um, why do we need to wait for that when we see the activity that we see here? And for anybody who's used EV, um, you know, again, the, the, how how it
0: gets disease under control so quickly. To me, these are very convincing aspects. Brian, why not come back to the question about three or two?
2: Well, Tom, before we do, what do you think about that? Is practice changing? It sounds like you're a little more tempered in your enthusiasm.
0: I mean, I I I would the the the, the curves <laughs> at the moment look a little <laughs> bit immature. Okay. You know, The the number but, of events aren't really you know we're never from a PFS. But, but with mature right curves,
2: let's, let's put aside the phase three. Would, would, would these data be enough when mature, or you definitely want to wait for a phase three?
0: I mean, it's, I, I don't know if it. I look at the the data at the moment, and I, it looks for me to be much better than Jeb Copper. Okay, I mean, right. I just, nope. I'm I'm bought, I'm bought into that, and okay. I'd love to. I, I, de, I genuinely would like to see some more robust. It's only seventy five patients in each arm. I'd like it to be a little more robust. Of course, I think that, that if you said to me the U.S. would approve it, I'm not going to start thinking that's a mistake. And if someone pitched yeah. up tomorrow saying, I've looked at this fantastic data, why are you giving me gems Carbo? I would say I, I take your point. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm there, obviously. But Fair. I think that in this environment, with, the, with a practice-changing regime that could be here for a long period of time, We do need to see a randomized phase three study and we do need to have some robust benchmark that we can work off for the future. So let's And we also have to to, to we also have to we also have to explore that cisplatin eligible population.
2: Yeah, of course. Which is which is 302, right? Because they they can get or carbo. So so maybe Tom start with you and then Peter about handicapping that trial. What do you think it's gonna show?
0: Well I don't know. I mean I think that if it's (laughs) the the one thing that's been consistent around E V is its consistency. So in the second line setting, we did three studies. They all came in at 40% response yep. rate. We've now done two trials, 65%, 73% response, PFS 12 months, OS somewhere around two years. The consistency of, the, of these data suggests that we're going to see a similar signal to that in randomized phase three. Um, the longest OS signal we've ever had in the past is somewhere around the 15-month area, area, era, you could say between 40 and, and 16 months. The... Frontline pembro trials, the control arm, the study arm of the frontline pembro and atezo trials, both had essentially maintenance of alimab in them, and they chemo, immune therapy with maintenance therapy, because we in the in the in the um, in the study arm, the pembrolizumab arm wasn't stopped at the completion of. Of therapy. Now, a may be performing a bit better we don't, than that, but I wouldn't expect it to be much, much better. So, uh, with a push, I think the control arm is going to come in at 16 months OS. And so, if we're any above 20, it's, it should be okay. And yeah. I think that the, the, so I think it's going to be a positive OS study. I think, I think there's a really good chance of that happening. I also look at the PFS data of 12 months, and you know, we've never really got anywhere near that before. You know, it's like a, I guess, a Bob Beeman type jump from a PFS perspective. <laughs> nice, and so, nice reference. And so if we are going to hit, you know, I, so I can see the PFS coming, coming home as well. Um, so I think both of those are positive. Um, and I, I don't know what you feel, Peter.
1: We're setting all kind of records here because I couldn't agree more. I mean, that's how I look at it. <laughs>
0: this is
2: my least favorite podcast with you two. So
0: yeah, we'll find something else to agree about soon. <laughs> um, Peter, any final words?
1: You know, it's exciting times here when we now maybe facing a future where, we, where we've got so many options here in the frontline space. And then it's going to come down to what we can argue about, Tom, right? Is, you know, how do you pick the right one?
0: <laughs> I think the other caveat, Brian, is that the, the, it's been a challenging time to do randomized trials. And it's a global study. And, you know, there is some concern around the skin toxicity signal. I think that there is concern around that. I think we're addressing that. I think education and training around the toxicity profile. Of, um, of EV, the of sasotuzumab govedigetan, and artificially, all of these new agents have these somewhat unusual toxicity profiles, and we, as a group, need to get um, more familiar with those. So I think that we need to look really carefully in the randomized phase three from toxicity and make sure that's the case. And when the drugs are approved, and I hope they will be, um, uh, then we need to make sure that we uh, we learn how to give the drugs safely.
2: And look at and look at de-escalation strategies for sure. I think Jonathan mentioned that. I think that's important.
0: Yeah, we. We, we haven't done that yet, and that's something we need to work yeah. on in the future. Peter, this has been terrific.
2: Once wish you were again. here with
0: us. We wish I you were know. here. But thanks we're for gonna a, <laughs> We're going to go out for a pint of lager tonight, I suspect, in Paris. We might send you a photo. We sent you one earlier on. <laughs> we might send you another one. This I was love a love again. fest. Thanks, gentlemen. <laughs> Thank See you soon. You. Bye-bye.